God desires a relationship with us and he desires our worship. But what exactly does that mean? How can we truly worship God? And what does that look like in our everyday lives? Find out from author and speaker, Jacqueline Palmer. Here's Jacqueline. Romans 3 is where we get to be today. Um, it's where we're going to start. For those that are taking notes that want um, more scripture, there's, there's not one passage in this Bible that will not apply to today's study. So if you want to take notes of other scriptures to study this week as we talk about the love of God, just write the word, the Bible. It'll meet you right where you are, I promise. Today, while we're together, we're going to be in Romans chapter 3. We, if we have time, we're going to follow the Spirit on today's study. We may peek into Romans chapter 4. And if we get to peek into Romans chapter 4, most likely we'll get to go to Psalm 32. If we do not follow this track today together, will you follow this track together with the Lord? Last week was, I was told, was unexpectedly challenging. Anybody else <laughs> relate to that? We talked about love last week, and we had no idea that love, we knew, we knew, we just saw, we just saw what we knew about love on paper last week. Can I tell you real quick before we open in prayer together before the throne of our living God, how much you are covered in prayer this week? I have a feeling some of us wrestled. I have a feeling Satan may have had entrance into some thoughts, into some hearts, into some souls. I have a feeling God's saying a few songs of victory this week. God is good. And if I can say these three words, God loves you. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we forever sing that Jesus loves the little children and we hear the word Jesus and we see our children and it's so easy for us to wrap our heads around that sentence because Jesus is so good and children are so precious and so innocent and so lovely and so, so pure. So to connect the dots be between the love of Jesus Christ and these sweet little children is so easy for us to comprehend. It's such a precious, precious picture in our hearts. And then we look in the mirror and we sit in our chair and we sit with our reflections and we sit with our paper that's filled with emotions and filled with names and we hear the words, God loves me and we, and we stop. And we ponder and we wonder and we justify and we excuse and we mourn and we cry and we smile and we laugh and, and we don't know what the depth of that means because we know us. Father God, your love is so big and it's almost too big for us to even pretend to comprehend because you as our God are so big and so, so beautiful to wrap our heads around in a way that we can't, we can't comprehend. Father God, will you please through your tangible word of God, speak to us as we are where we are, your love. God, you love us. God, you love me. And every one of us in this room can say that exact sentence. I pray that you'll make it so real. Meet us where we are. This is my prayer. This is my plea. In the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, this is my prayer. Amen. Romans chapter 3, with the words, God loves you in your head, 
I'm going to repeat a story real quick. As Romans 3 sits before us, and we're going to trust the Holy Spirit meets us where we are with what we need. In the book of John, John chapter 21, it's the last chapter of John's, John's book. There's a story that John writes, and he's part of the story, but he doesn't ever use his own name. He refers to himself with catchphrases. You know, like if I talked about myself, I'd be like the one that wears the stilettos. <laughs> you all have a name. You all have that sentence, the one who, how would you say your thing? John refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. Can we steal that? How cool to introduce yourself to one another, to refer yourself to one another as, I'm Jacqueline, I'm the one Jesus loves. How cool is that? You can just stop right there. Sit on that one. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is your catchphrase. And that catchphrase is strong enough and deep enough and bold enough, loud enough and powerful enough to erase every emotion we penned last week even the good, beautiful ones. You are the one whom Jesus loves. That's how John refers to himself. But in this story, John is the observer. He's the one behind the conversation. In front of him is a conversation, and they're walking and talking. And the ones that are talking is Jesus Christ in the flesh, risen again, and Peter. Peter, believer of Jesus, follower of Jesus, but without the Holy Spirit yet. This is Peter. Do you see him? Talking to Jesus. Do you see him? With John, the one whom Jesus loved, behind him. Conversation. So while they're talking, Jesus says to Peter, these, these that are around you, do you love me more than these? And I think it's interesting that Jesus gets Peter's eyes off him for a minute. I'm curious if he words it like this because Peter's eyes are literally off Jesus at the time because Peter was a leader, wasn't he? He was, he was the leader. And a leader looks at his people. A leader always knows what's going on with his people. And Peter's watching his people. And Jesus asks him, do you love me more than these? I wonder if he asked that because Peter's eyes were, were on them and he was redirecting right here. Peter, right here, bring it in. Do you love me? more than these? Do you love following me more than you love leading these? Do you love me? So he, that was his question. Then he asked the, 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 the infamous conversation, do you love me? And I'm curious if Jesus was right here in front of you. Can you picture that? Can you picture that? Right in front of you, Jesus. Scripture says his eyes are on you. Scripture says his eyes are on you. Did you hear that? Scripture says Jesus' eyes are on you, which means right now, where you are, as you are, Jesus' eyes are on you. Do you see that? Can you visualize his eyes on you right in front of you? Where are your eyes? For just right now, don't think about, oh, yesterday I needed my eyes on him. Right now, his eyes are on you. Put your eyes on him. Do you see him? I'm curious as you sit there and you see Jesus' eye on you so intently and so deeply personal, do you see your eyes reflect back on him? Can you see him? Do you see where his hands are? Where are your hands? I was sitting there with Jesus' eyes on me 
and I just felt his hands on my face and I couldn't help but reach out and hold his face. Jesus loves you. And while his eyes are on you and as he's sitting there with you, as you are where you are, he says to you, do you love me? What response just went through your head? Can you write it down? Even if the response in your head was, I need to go to the grocery store and get milk. (laughs) What was that response that went through your head? You You just took a second Jesus' eye, Jesus' eyes on you. I know that. I know what I know. I remember what I know, and what I know is Jesus' eyes are on me. And I'm looking at him. And with his eye on me and my eye on him, he says to me, do you love me? And I said, what crossed my heart? Be real. I wonder if some of us said, yes, but not like I should. I'll do better. I'll do more. I'm sorry for yesterday. Tomorrow's a new day. Just, can we just wash today? Let's just binge today. Tomorrow's a new day. Your mercies are new in the morning. Let's start at 12.01, Jesus. I'll see you then. What did you say? That conversation is live. That's present time conversation. You want to know where you are as you are? Your answer to that question is real. Don't change it. Don't justify it. Be where you are. Jesus' sign is on you. Your eye is on him. Don't change your eyes. Don't look around. Keep those eyes set. He says to you a second question. This time he asks you this. Do you love me? Your eyes don't move. Your eyes don't move. What's your response? What's your response? Be real. It's amazing how we can say words with our mouth and have different thoughts in our hearts sometimes. This is Jesus you're talking to. He knows. He hears both your words. He hears your thoughts. He hears what's in your heart. Just say it. There may be some of us that are hearing these questions and thinking of our answers, and the answers are, it would be cool, but I have no idea who you are. How beautifully real is that answer? You don't know who Jesus Christ is? Oh, I pray that you meet him today. Jesus is looking at you. You are looking at him. Don't change your eyes. Don't change those eyes. Keep those eyes set. Jesus asks you a third question. Jesus looking into your eyes as you are where you are, knowing your first answer, knowing your second answer, knowing your third answer, he says to you, do you love me. At this point, Peter's like, Lord, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And then the conversation continues with another dialogue between Jesus and Peter. This happens because Peter shifts his eyes off Jesus, off this conversation. And he looks over at the one that Jesus loves. And he heard that Jesus says, if I let this man live until I come again, Peter, look at me. My eye is on you. Your eye is on me. I've got one last question for you. What is that to you? What is that to you? 
Who cares what I have with John? That's my conversation. That's my eye and John's eye. That's this conversation. Your eye is on me because my eyes are on you. And my question for you is, you just said, yes, you love me. Yes, you love me. Yes, yes, Lord Jesus my savior, my risen king, I love you, then what is that to you? Right here, Peter. Right here. We've, we're talking about love. We're talking about love. Love of God. And it's such a huge thing. Isn't it a huge thing? Did you ponder the love of God a little bit this week? And ask that question, but how? How do I receive his love because me... And how do I give him my love? Because me. Have you, did you ask either one of those questions? Those are real questions. Those are solid questions. And it's exactly what we're told to do. We're exactly told by God through Jesus Christ while he was here on earth, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's it. That's what I want you to do. And somebody in this room just said, well, there's a second law too. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, we'll get there. The second law comes as a result of the first law. When, when we attempt to do that second law before we master the first law, we remain in the emotions of last week. Can I say that again? When we try to conquer that second law before working on mastering that first law, we are remaining in those emotions of last week. Is that clear? Jesus says, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And this is what we do as adults. This is what we do as women. You ready? I could be the only one in this room that does this. So if I am, mock me. I can handle it. We hear this, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and we picture all. And we go to all my heart, and you go through all of your heart. And God, you want me to love you with that? I can't even look at you with that. And that emotion, and that failure, and that success, and that relationship, and that walk away, and this departure, and blah, 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 blah. You want me to love you with all of that? I can't even handle it enough to put it before your throne. How in the world can I love you with all of that? I'm too ashamed. I'm too fill in the blank. Do you get stuck on all? Jesus says, I have a prop. Jesus doesn't say I have a prop. <laughs> I, Jacqueline, have a prop. I never have props when I teach, but I have a prop. As you can see, my beautiful painting, those that are on podcast, I'm sorry, I'll describe it to you the best that I can. It's a canvas. There's one color on it. The color is white. It's raw. It's the color of the canvas. It's not that I painted it white. I didn't paint it white. I literally took the wrap off it today. That was a lie. I didn't take the wrap off it. Gail took the wrap off it. Because who is the one that does the stuff? Gail. Gail took the wrap off this white painting. There is not one other color or stain or addition or anything on this canvas. This canvas is what it is, as it is, where it is. Do you see where I'm going with this? Jesus says in Isaiah, and Jesus says in the Psalms, I have made you that white. 
white as snow. This is what Jesus sees when Jesus sees you. You look at love the Lord your God with all my heart, all my soul, all, all my, oh, my mind. Oh, God, there are things in my mind. And we look at the canvases in our life that we've painted, that our parents painted, that our influences painted, that our teachers painted, that our person painted, and we see all the colors. And some of us look at it, and you know when you mix, every child does this, you get, you learn that you mix two colors together, primary colors, and you get a secondary color, right? I used to teach first grade. You teach the, the primaries and the secondaries, and every child thinks, oh, oh, if I can mix two and make another one, then if I mix all of the colors, <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. What happens when you mix all the colors? It's like the, uh, it's not just brown. Come on, my dog is brown and he's adorable. It's not just brown, it's like, it's like what we picture when we go before God of ourselves. We're like, I did all the colors, God, and I thought what I was doing really good, and, <laughs> and that's all I have. That's all my heart, and that's all my soul, and that's all my mind, and I don't know how to love you with all of this on me. And Jesus says, here's the problem, sweetheart. None of that is on you. I have made you white as snow. That canvas that you tried to paint, that canvas that your parents painted, those canvas that your grandparents painted, that canvas that that pastor painted into your heart that ruined you through religion, I'm telling you right now, it is all washed clean because I am Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. I came to earth. I died on the cross for that sin, your sin, that religious sin, that person's sin that was thrown on you, there is not one sin that I did not die on the cross for, that I did not bury, that I did not conquer, that I did not silence in the tomb. I rose again and I say to you, this is what I see. So when I ask you to give me all your heart, I want you to give me all your heart that I gave you. And what I gave you is purity because that's who you are. That's who you are. So, but I don't feel pure, Okay. Do you know what God sees when he sees you? This blew my mind when I learned this. Um, I was raised in an incredibly impure home. Incredibly impure home. The man, my birth father left, my mom remarried. I said his name last week. He came into my, my life when I was eight years old. He was addicted to pornography. And a lot of times the same types of habits come from people that are addicted to pornography. He had an eight-year-old girl that lived in his house. Not only was I physically affected by his addiction, I was mentally affected by his addiction. When I was eight, I was put in front of a screen and was asked to watch what he was watching. This took place for years. That messes with the head. There's images that mess with your head. When I say I was raised in a very impure home, I can't tell you the depths of the impurity that was cast upon me visually, physically. Impurity, impure. Keep in mind, I was saved when I was three. I had Jesus in my life. 
the human that was in my life that was supposed to represent the very love and presence and power of God in the home, the man of the home, the head of the home, introduced me to terrible, terrible things. Impurity. Impurity would have definitely been my catchphrase. We go before God and we say we want you. I want to, I want to love you with all my mind, but God, you know, you know what's, you know what's in my mind. You know the thoughts, the memories, the impurity. And Jesus says to me in scripture, Jacqueline, I've made you pure. All of those black stains, and I testify, I testify with 100% power of God. This is the most miraculous thing. I've been healed from neurological disorders that put me in a wheelchair. There is nothing that has happened in my life more powerful than this one sentence. Every black scar that was cast into my mind from those years of visually watching horrific things on television. I say these sentences to you out loud. Not one memory is crossing through my mind. That is the power of my God. He says, Jacqueline, I want you to love me with all your mind. And I say, okay, it's, it's, it's blank. It's white. It's white, which means you want me to love you with what you've done for me. You've given me the all the mind that you want from me. I, I by faith have to choose that mind. I guarantee, and I know you can testify of this, if I sat here enough, if I sat here long enough to ponder those memories, do you know what would happen? We could pull anything up, can't we? But by faith, by faith, I choose and I choose and I choose. You've given me all the heart that you want me to love you with. You've given me all the mind that you want me to love with you with. And I choose that mind by faith. It is pure. And I walk in that. Is God so big? God is so big. Romans 3. Romans 3, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do what you do for us in this room, for our girls around the world that are joining us in Women Inseparable. We are in scripture today and we're talking about the love of God. We're talking about the purity of the love of God, how he wants us to understand how much he loves us and how much he wants us to understand how much we love him through his eyes. I pray that you today will see your love for him through his eyes. He's the receiver of your love. What does he see of your love? Romans 3.26 is where we're going to start. Romans 3.26. It jumps into an argument that Paul is presenting to Rome, and we're going to jump in and see what Jesus says. Paul explains about God. He says, it was to show his righteousness. Listen to these words. This is about you. Find you in this passage and find your God in this passage. It was to show his righteousness at the present time. I'm reading from the ESV. I know your versions are going to alter these words and are meaning the same exact thing. 
God's forgiveness of our sins was to show God's righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of the Holy Spirit of eternity at the present time. At the present time. When, my question is, when is the present time? When is it? What about in an hour from now? When's the present time? What about next week or Friday night or Saturday morning? What about next year? It's the present time. Where's the past in the present time? Will you ponder that for a second? When you hear the word present time, where's the past? Did you know a minute ago was in the past? So that thought, that feeling, that emotion, that experience, that fill-in-the-blank was a minute ago. That's the past. Jesus says, God says, Paul reminds us of the love of God was to show his righteousness at the present time. You say, but you don't understand what I did, who I was, what I saw, what I experienced. God says, I don't care about all of that. My son, Jesus Christ, wiped away every single one of those sins And now because your sins are forgiven, the very righteousness of God is you at this present time. When did that present time begin? It began the day you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you expressed from your mouth and believed in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You want to know more about that? Look at Romans chapter 10. If you want to know more about what Jesus did for you, look at Matthew 27. The minute we got saved was the beginning, the birth start of our present time. At that moment, that present time doesn't ever change. White as snow, white as snow, white as snow. This is your canvas. This is your mirror. Don't you love, love your mirror to look like that? You're like, man, I'm beautiful. (laughs) Wake up in the morning, look at the mirror, and you're like, oh, what happened last night? (laughs) This, this is your mirror. This is your heart. This is your soul. This is your mind. For those on podcasts, I'm pointing to that white canvas. When God looks at you and he looks at your heart and he looks at your soul and he looks at your mind, he sees, he sees purity. He sees clean. He sees new. He sees you because you are dressed in the very righteousness of God. You're not wearing what you thought you were wearing. Is that freeing? You're not wearing it anymore. Don't wear it. You're like, but I know, I I know that attitude isn't right, and I know that sin isn't right, and I know that relationship isn't good, but I know I can expect it, and it's comfortable, and I know the dance, and I know the song, and I know the tradition, and, and it just fits. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, because what you're wearing, according to Scripture, according to the solid truth of the very Word of God, you are wearing the righteousness of God. So for you to wear the righteousness of God and then choose to dig up dirt, you're putting dirt on the white righteousness of God. Have you ever seen dirty snow? There's nothing purer and more beautiful than white snow. I am not a snow fan, per se, I'm a summertime girl, but you cannot argue when you see a blanket of white out your window, there is nothing more captivating because it's so pure. But at the same time, when January comes around and that snow is pushed up alongside the road, is there anything more heinous than that? 
Can I repeat myself for a moment? Don't wear your yuck. Don't wear it. You have a choice. You have a choice every day what you wear, don't you? We're women. That's the beauty of being a girl. You get to pick what you want to wear. Don't wear it. Don't wear it. You're wearing the very righteousness of God. Here's what scripture says in verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he, this is about you, find you in this passage. This passage is so beautiful. So that he, your God, your Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, that he might be just, that he might be just, and that he might be the justifier catch the catchphrase of this sentence. His righteousness is at this present time so that he can be just and that he can be the justifier of the one who what? Puts his faith in Jesus. What's your catchphrase? Oh, my catchphrase is, oh, I was raised in an impure home. Why would I want that as my catchphrase? Oh, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. Why is that your catchphrase? Oh, I'm the one who, I'm the one who's put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I did. I know what I know. I remember what I know. And what I know is I put my faith in Jesus. I know that. I know that. And because I know that by faith, the same faith in which I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior is the same faith in which I say, all my heart, I love you. And every time that thought comes in that says, but you're unable, you're incapable, you're unqualified, you're unworthy, these words come in, don't they? Who, who has the right to say these words over the one who has put the faith in Jesus Christ? You don't have that right. Satan does not have that right. Another human does not have the right to disqualify you from your faith in Jesus Christ. You are worthy because he is worthy of your love. His righteousness is on you at this present time because you put your faith in Jesus. So when Jesus says, I want you to love me with all your heart, you say, this is, this is what I have. And I love you. No expectations. No pressure. No, no comparison. Can I say that a word again? No comparison. Say, oh, I don't compare myself with others. I just compare myself with me. <laughs> I really did good loving God two years ago, we say. I just wish I could love God like I did two years ago. I'm in a little bit of a funk. Do you know who's not in a little bit of a funk? God and the one who has placed their faith in Jesus. Life can put us in a funk because death happens and illness happens and life happens. And being a funk means that you're sad. Do you know it's not a sin to be sad? And you're angry about something. Do you know there are reasons to be angry? And we get into all these things in our head and say, oh, but I'm not so happy and, and loving Jesus. And so therefore, I don't love Jesus with all of my heart because I'm just kind of sitting on my couch and I'm feeling totally like a girl. Do you know that's real life? And Jesus says, all your heart love me. And you can curl up on your couch with your favorite little blanket and a big old bowl of popcorn with shredded cheddar cheese on it. And you can love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And you're not letting your mind sway back to the past and you're staying in this present time. 
knowing that even, even now, I am dressed in the very righteousness of God. And my God sees me with my popcorn white. My canvas is white. And I choose to hold my mind in my hand and remember what I know. And what I know is that I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And that same faith in which I've put my faith in Jesus Christ is the same faith in which I say, Jesus, I love you with all my heart. By faith, I love you with all my soul. By faith, I love you all my mind. And it's by faith every time. And you say, but I want to love more. What is God wanting from you? He wants you. He wants you as you are because you are who he dressed in his righteousness. You'll get to more. Oh, you'll get to more when he takes you to more. Right now, you know what he wants? He wants you. He wants you to look him in the eye, the very eye that's looking at you, asking, do you love me? No justifying. He's the justifier. No changing your words. No wrapping things up. Not putting on a show or a demonstration for God. I need to live my life as if it's Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Always. He wants you to respond, yes. Yes, I love you by faith. We didn't get to Romans 4, nor did we get to Romans or Psalm 32. I pray that your time with the Lord today, this week, fall in love with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and know who you are. You are the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we, we love you. It's so easy to feel unworthy to love you, but we are worthy to say the words, I love you because, because you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried in all of the darkness, all of the pain, all of the past, all of the yuck, all of the painful things that we wear, whether we are mindful of us wearing or that we choose to wear, we don't know how not to wear. Jesus, you paid for every single bit of it. You stripped it. You destroyed it. You put it to shame. You put it to silence. You conquered it. You rose above it. And you called us to rise over it as well. Simply by believing and putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our risen, our risen Lord and Savior. And as we put our faith in you, you dressed us instantly, instantly in the righteousness of God. Pure holy and beautiful. Heart, soul, and mind, you've made us new. Heart, soul, and mind, you made us clean. Heart, soul, and mind, you made us yours. You called us yours. You dressed us in yours. You gave us the spirit to be yours. Father God, we are yours. Your design, your creation, your everything. And this is what you want from us, is to know who we are. I pray that you'll help us to know who we are. And as we are where we are, I pray that our eyes will be so transfixed on the very face of Jesus Christ and from the very depths of our soul, the very depths of our mind and the very depths of our heart, we will proclaim with purity and earnestness, 
I love you. In the precious name of Jesus that has given us all things, we lay these words before your throne. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Help us to spread the love of Jesus by subscribing, giving us a thumbs up, and writing a comment. For more Women Inseparable studies, check out our website at womeninseparable.com. Send your questions and prayer requests to womeninseparable at gmail.com.